This is The Bullpen on 1027 ESPN with Patrick Osborne and Brandon Elkins. Opinions are welcome at 512-834-1027. Definitely Scarlett Johansson, huh? Yes, it is. Not Rashida Jones? That was not Rashida Jones. Okay, well, fan either way. Although she, they are uh, Washington natives. Both. Quincy Jones. Very cool. From Seattle. Very cool. Yeah, still lives there. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Bullpen. Patrick Osborne and Brandon Elkins with you for the next hour. I hope you're like I hope you like our random fun facts. Yeah. Yeah. Scarlett Coming Johansson, right into the Rashida show. Jones, uh, apparently Washington natives. Brandon Elkins, Washington natives. Not Scarlett Johansson, just Rashida Jones, because of Quincy Jones. Oh, so you mean the Joneses? The Joneses. Gotcha. Keep up with the Joneses, man. They're Fancy. from Seattle, Fancy. all right? Okay, okay. You know me. I always boast about my city. I do know that about you, my friend. I do know that about you. And I heard something else happened last night about my city. Oh, yeah? We might get into that. We might get into that today. Uh, we better game? because my pettiness is about to go overload. A football game so of be sorts. ready. Yes. Also, those Mariners, something to be bragging about right now. Uh, hey, I, I haven't held back too. on that either. I need a paperweight too, man. I, well, I put that it's one great. back over there. No, I just okay. have Ed's mouse. That's but. okay. We will we will survive. So, uh, news out of the NBA today to kick off the bullpen as uh, Robert Sarver, one of the NBA's Phoenix Suns and WNBA's Phoenix Mercury, has been suspended for one year and fined $10 million by the NBA as a result of the league's investigation into the franchise. NBA announced this punishment today, uh, saying the investigation found what, uh, what dur- during his time with the Suns and the Mercury, he used uh, racial slurs at least five times when recounting the statements of others. Uh, also, instances of inequitable conduct toward female employees, including uh, sex-related comments, inappropriate comments on uh, employees' appearances. So the NBA commissioned this investigation uh, after ESPN actually dropped a story in November of last year detailing these allegations. You're right. Uh, r- allegations of racism and misogyny during his 17 years as the owner. Apparently he cooperated fully. Uh, the only thing he's really got a problem with is this $10 million fine uh, for his, his behavior. Why? <laughs> I don't know. That's a stiff penalty. It's the, uh, I believe, yeah, that's the maximum permitted by the NBA. The funds are going to be donated to uh, addressing race and gender-based issues in and outside of the workplace. This guy's a billionaire, and he's worried about $10 million. How do you think he got to be a billionaire? By wasting money? Yeah, so he ha- he probably has plenty. He will penny. be okay. He saved every... Yeah, the point is he got to be a, t- a billionaire because he, he wasn't giving out $10 million. You know what I have a gripe with? Aggressive yeah. sexual accusers. Or, or uh, well, you know... I would have a problem with that, too, if well, they yeah, were not that, legit. But exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently, based on this investigation... Aggressive sexual misconduct. Yeah. There it is. And Thank based you. on this investigation, it sounds like there was a lot of it. Yeah, so shut up and pay your fine. You're only getting a year suspension for all of that for clearly a horrible workplace environment, a hostile workplace environment. I can talk sounds to Sounds like it. it. It sounds like it. So they, they, uh, the investigation included interviews with more than 320 current and former employees, God. Sarver himself. Uh, it examined more than 80,000 documents and other materials, including emails, text messages, videos, and, and the, uh, the report is public. It's available online. But, yeah, it found that on at least five occasions dropped in bombs while recounting the statements of others. Oh, my God. Uh, he engaged, as we mentioned, in, in instances of inequitable conduct toward female employees, made sex-related comments, made inappropriate comments about physical appearances of females and other women, and on several occasions engaged in inappropriate physical conduct toward male employees. Also, it says it engaged in, uh, he engaged in demeaning and harsh treatment of employees, including by yelling and cursing at them. Uh, well, you know. Come on. Yeah, clearly. Well, that about, is a hostile work environment to the max. 
So his suspension. And he only gets one year. One year and $10 million. Keep him away from those people. They clearly don't want to work with him. Like, I, I can understand why I didn't care about the one year. What do you care? You know, you're like you say, you're yeah. a billionaire. Yeah. You'll, you'll be fine. Take a year off, go jet set around the globe. Hey, you got a yacht. Yeah. Use that yacht and go and away. Go hide your head. Yes, right. please. Go hide your head. You so, don't have to come back either. Because clearly you know, nobody knows, wants to work with you. Who knows? He might not. You know, uh-huh. but, he, but he can't be present at any NBA or WNBA team facility, including office, arena, or practice facility during the suspension. He can't attend or participate in any NBA or WNBA event or activity, games, practices, business partner activity. He cannot represent the Suns or Mercury in any way, public or private. Can't have any involvement in the business or basketball operations of the Suns or Mercury. Uh, nor can uh, he have any involvement in the gover- business governance or activities of either the NBA, WNBA, including attending or participating in meetings in the league's board. So he's also got he's got to participate in training, training programs. And the Suns and the Mercury will have to do their own stuff on their own time. I just... Did did he think he wasn't going to get caught because he's a billionaire owner? What kind of idiot do you have to be, really, to 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 not think that? Right. I mean, and with that kind of money, if if you've got that sort of disdain for people in general, for for basic, superficial stuff, when you really get down to it, skin tone, mm-hmm. gender, yeah, basic stuff that who cares, right? Or in a perfect world, if you got that much problem with it, you're you're in the wrong league, pal. And you're a billionaire, so get out. Yeah, take GTFO, a step back. And yeah. just enjoy the rest of your miserable life. Please. Yeah. Because you'll be fine. Yeah. Everyone else will be much better off without you. I just, it's so easy to be a normal person. It's so easy to be a normal human being. I don't know. Where you don't do stuff like that. For some people, it's apparently not. Why is it so difficult to just not be, I, I, there's so many words I want to say right now, but words you're not that would about, get us fired you're, you're by the dumb, FCC. But the dump button is clearly too far away at nah, this point. Well, I, I but you know it. what I mean. You want to test it? No, I do not. You sure, because I <laughs> got it right here. Not. No, Mark, I right. don't want to test okay. it. I promise. All right, all right. I'm, <laughs> I'm talking to my boss. Just equal opportunity, not doing my friend. Yeah. I'm just saying it's so easy to be a decent human that I just, like you said, I just don't understand why these people just feel like they're above the law and can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all. That's all I really have on that. And why would you? All these people are getting, and everyone else is getting caught. Everybody, nobody really gets away with this anymore. Which good. And that's the only time they're finally sorry, right? Yeah, and people are finally starting to speak out. Look at Brendan Fraser. I know we're going from you know NBA to NBA to Hollywood, but he was blacklisted because he accused a man of sexually assaulting him. And look where he went. He was gone. He was the it guy in the 90s and early 2000s. And then he just disappeared because he made an accusation to about a big time elite who Mm. probably did what he accused him of. I don't really, I didn't really go into the details, but you know, it's the same thing. No, now he's back and now he's. Had yeah, to do that, all this to resurrect his career. He got what the other day, like a six-minute standing ovation. Yeah, that movie, The Whale. Yeah, and I mean, he's been in Doom Patrol on on HBO Max, which is was really good, even though they shut that down for I'm not familiar with it. It's a DC Either thing. Way, yeah, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I, I, all I all I all I ask is just be a decent human, y'all. Come it's on, hard, it's hard to do for some people. You're gonna get caught if you do bad things anymore. Yeah. Well, see, I especially think, when it involves your coworkers. I think that, that's where you get double dual sides of the social media coin, right? On the I one know. side, I think it brings out the worst in humanity. I think it makes people hateful, spiteful, vindictive people. On the other hand, it calls out junk like this. Yeah. So you know, it helps bring stuff like that to light, it's, uh, and spread the word quickly. Yeah. You know. There are there is a lot of good on social media, but it is funny how easy it is to hide behind a profile picture, mm. right? Because 
Yeah, you don't have to put of, your face people, out there. Uh, you, you, people yeah, don't. Do people people get so tough? Man, you're, you're such a tough guy. Yep. Keyboard warriors. Yeah, they're but, out there. But you know, I, I've 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 very much enjoyed my life. Sans personal social media, it has been absolutely peaceful. It's in heaven, except when we play Rocket League. Yeah, we do have to get that. We do, we do have to get that. That is a League, cesspool yeah. all on its own. Rocket League. I don't pay attention to that stuff. Oh, I'm sure you don't. Uh, over to the NFL now where Dak Prescott may not be going on the injured reserve. Mm. In fact, uh, it sounds like owner Jerry Jones is uh, pre- pretty confident that this won't be happening. Uh, talked a little bit today on uh, 105.3 The Fan up there in Dallas. Uh, and, of course, you know, Dak's injury hurt himself uh, on on Sunday. And that 19-3 opening season, uh, season opener loss to the Buccaneers. I think it was hit, ugly. I think he hit his hand twice, Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. I, the first time was hand-to-hand. The other time was hand-to-helmet. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, and that came in the fourth quarter uh, after three previous quarters of not looking too stellar. Yeah, he wasn't on his game regardless. The whole so. team wasn't on his game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the initial, uh, the initial thought was that he was going to be out, what, six to eight weeks? Mm-hmm. And uh, Jones was uh, pressed a little bit about about the timeline here, and uh, on, on the 105.3 The Fan today. In medical, nobody knows those timelines good, but if we thought he wasn't going to be ready to go for four games, until after four games, we would put him on IR. We're not doing that. We think he can come in and play, so we don't want to not have him out there practicing. We want him uh, getting prepared, and we'll see how he uh, handles this thing, how it um, heals. Mainly how he can, uh, his strength, how he can grip the ball, what his status is. But that's not being an optimist. The proof is that uh, we got a good surgery, got good technique, and uh, feel uh, better about it than we did uh, Sunday night. So, yeah, like you said there, he you have to miss a minimum of four games if he's going to go into the IR. So this way, he'd be eligible for practice. He can rehab, he can condition, he can mm-hmm. go through meetings to help out. Had that plate inserted in his thumb yesterday, though, to stabilize the joint. Um, it's so nonchalant when we talk about it with athletes. Well, especially with a, a guy plate, like him. Put a plate in your thumb, give you a couple weeks, he'll be back out well, there. they got the money to come back from it. I know. Like, I've had two surgeries on my right knee, one in 97 and another in 08, and I still don't feel like I've fully recovered from it. And it wasn't as significant as what some of these guys go right, through. Right. It's amazing what money can buy you. Money can buy you a full rehab. It's amazing what an athlete can get you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so obviously he's going to have to, you know, make sure the wound heals. That he's going to start working on grip strength. But uh, you got to assume that the once uh, with that plate, the bone is probably going to be stronger than it was before. Usually is. So yeah. let's hope so. Yeah. But so this is coming off of, of course. But he's really lucky though, because you go back to last year when Russell Wilson busted his finger, did this that the same scenario. He threw the ball and his follow through went. Right onto Aaron Donald's crown of his helmet, and yeah. there went his bone. Yeah, so he's lucky he only got a minor fracture here. Which Very lucky. We say minor fracture; that's still going to hurt a lot, you know. And we talk about Quinn Ewers' injury about his collarbone or whatever, and we just talk about it like it is what it is. But right. also, he's probably in so much pain; he probably has, yeah. won't sleep for a couple of days, or he's just going to be hopped up on pain meds. Yeah, he's probably not. He's probably had better days. Yeah, probably had better. It's going to hurt. Of course, it's not the first injury. Welcome he's to had. college football. Oh, you mean yours? <laughs> yeah, yours. Well, yours is talking about he was having problem uh, breathing. That's and stuff what I'm like saying. That hurt. Yeah. Anything around that, you know, chest area is going to cause a lot more issues than just the pain you have on your bone. Yeah, yeah. And we'll definitely get into more quarterback uh, Longhorn QB talk coming up as yeah. well because there are some questions now that with the viewers out, card sort of. A little bit more on the mend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? he's not 100%. And, and could Charles Wright be the next man to step up? We'll have a little bit more on that coming up. 
Uh, but of course, this is not the first injury. You know, last year Dak got hurt pretty bad. Uh, we've seen him get hurt before. That he was hobbling around a little bit uh, uh, leading up to what uh, Thursday, yep. Thursday, Friday, something like that. So uh, Jerry Jones was it was pressed, you know, whether or not Dak may be injury prone. Oh, I think that uh, when you uh, look at the uh, limitations that he's had, what what the uh, uh, his injuries have been, uh, I see where you could point to that. But I do not think that's the case. I've always thought one of his strengths was his uh, durability. He's uh, strong, big, thick, all of that. Uh, I think weighs into it. Uh, I'm not uh, uh, concerned. I. I uh, know that injury. I, I, I know it's how susceptible quarterbacks are to that injury. Uh, I think we're in good shape there uh, relative to uh, his status as a viable, uh, having most of the time a quarterback. Yeah, Jerry knows that injury. All those times Jerry was out there on the gridiron slogging around and freezing temperatures. Hey, man. Pigskin. When Jerry Jones was playing football, they still had the leather helmets on, all right? Still so. with, they still fought with muskets. Exactly. Back when he played with the pigskin. <laughs> uh, so uh, apparently the Cowboys are going to stand pat, unlikely to pursue any significant trade for any quarterback following the injury to Dak Prescott. Okay. Uh, that's according to uh, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, who says right now the Cowboys don't plan to pursue any trade, uh, barring unforeseen change per source. The Cowboys won't take any possibility completely uh, off the table, but with Prescott's improved timeline, Cooper Rush favor uh, familiarity with the offense. He says the team feels it can't be patient. Man, I don't know. So this this sounds like it's a little too good to be true thing, but a little contradictory to to what Mike McCarthy yeah. was saying yesterday when he implied that they, they were really anticipating needing to make some serious roster moves. Mm-hmm. And I think he said that he had a list of every available signal caller in the league with him at the time of the press conference. He says, we'll look at those things. We'll definitely anticipate roster moves. I believe that was his quote. This sounds like an all-Jerry Jones thing. That's that's straight up. This is all-Jerry Jones' call. Like, no way, no way. We're going to get Dak back as soon as we can. As soon as we can, we got to get Dak back. Yeah, Jerry being Jerry, Uh, man. uh, We got to get him back, so don't do anything. Don't make a move. That is the worst impression I've ever done of Jerry Jones. Blame my allergies. Oh, that's the problem. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Hey, uh, coming up on the way, Russell Wilson, he agrees with that uh, that decision to uh, kick a ridiculous 64-yard field goal there at the end of the game last night. Go go Broncos. Let's ride. Go Broncos. Let's ride. He almost said go Hawks after his press conference oh, we did? last night. Yep. Okay. It was very close. You All could right. hear it. All right. Well, more uh, <laughs> that and a whole lot more on the way here on the bullpen. is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. So good tonight. God dang, they were great. And I'm so, so pleased that we could give them a game like this and they could have that much fun. And they even we have to win the game on, on three times with those timeouts. So each time we won a game again, then we won a game again, then we won a game again. It was great. So I wasn't, I wasn't bugged by that at all. Um, but they were incredibly good. And uh, we're so lucky. We're so lucky that we get to play here, and, and, and our fans love it so much, and they they perform like that on game day. It was awesome. Seahawks head that coach. That is a 70-plus-year-old man. Right there. Right there. That is the oldest coach in the league. Pete's right there. 70? He's 70-plus. Holy cow. Yeah, he's the oldest it. coach in the league. He doesn't look at it at all, man. I know. He doesn't act like it either. You see him running around last night? He's got himself that Ponce de Leon fountain of youth going <laughs> on, man. I'd like to find that, too. Holy cow. Feeling pretty good after uh, last night's uh, 17-16 win. That was re- ridiculous. Mm. That was ridiculous. At Lumen Field? Yes. 
Uh, a lot of games still left on on the, uh, the the roster for Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos this year. <laughs> but in Wilson's first start with his new team and his return back to Seattle mm-hmm. where he played uh, 10 NFL seasons. And he got booed nicely. Twice. He certainly was. He certainly was. Uh, you know, his line looked okay last night, right? And the 17-16 loss to Seattle. He finished uh, 29-42, 340 yards and a touchdown. Mm. Uh, but He had a 55 QBR. He had 55 QBR. That's, not, right. very, that's not very good. I that's mean, pretty well, mediocre. Well, I'm saying his line looks okay. <laughs> uh, but with 20 seconds left to play, trailing by one, Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett chose to have Brandon McManus attempt a 64-yard field goal with the win, for the win instead of letting Wilson try to lead the play on fourth mm-hmm. and five. Uh, they were at the Seahawks 46-yard line. And it didn't go their way. No, it did not. It did not go their way. Uh, now, w- w- Wilson offers his take on this, and he actually is uh, hes on board with it. He, he, he didn't have uh, – he doesn't seem to be too bothered by it. Well, we got the, the best field goal kicker maybe in the game. We said, you know, where can you make it from tonight? And he said 46 left hash. I think we were on the 46, right? 46 left hash. That was before the drive. And we got it, we got it there. Unfortunately, it didn't go in. Um, I think he has a leg for it for sure. Um, you know, just went a little left, I believe. And just, um, you know, in, in terms of – I believe in Coach Hack. I believe in what we're doing. Um, you know, I believe in everything. Anytime you can try to find a way to make a play on fourth and five, that, that's great too. But also, we, I, think we, I, think, I don't think it was the wrong decision. You know, I think he can make it. Obviously, we, in hindsight, you know, we didn't make it. But if we were in that situation, again, I wouldn't doubt – whatever he decided. Now, so the, uh, McManus' first attempt sailed wide left. But Pete Carroll called a, called a timeout just for the snap. Uh, and Carroll said he was surprised by the, by the Broncos' decision to kick again here. He says, we weren't thinking field goal there at all. We were thinking fourth down. They were still going for it. But they didn't. I believe the quote was, I'm surprised they took Russ off the field. <laughs> I mean, I, who, I was. I'm, dude, I'm just breathing in the irony. Just breathing it all. I'm taking it all in. The irony of the re- one of the main reasons why Russell Wilson left Seattle is because he felt like he was untrusted. And what happens in the first game back? In his first game with his new team, he was untrusted to go for a fourth and five. They let the clock run for 30 seconds before they call the timeout. And then they. Th- a 65-yard field, he had a 3% chance of making that. It sounds personal. Three. This is, this is a personal beef you've got, it sounds like. with what he, I seems just, like a, he seems like a good dude, nice guy. Sure, I have nothing against him as a human. So is, is Seattle, is, they, is just the sense of betrayal? Is that, is that the problem here in Seattle? I can hear it in Russ's voice when he talks about, when he talked about that, that he believed in it, that, that he didn't think it was the wrong call. He thought it was the right call. Yeah. That's the same tone he had in the last few years in Seattle. So he didn't believe it is what you're saying. Do you? Well, no. But who? Do would? you really think that he wanted to come off the field on a fourth and five? I don't know what that with the game on the line. I don't know what Hackett to was to kick a 65 yard field goal. I'm sure he's pissed. Well, he has to be. I mean, do you hear the highness in my voice? <laughs> the Broncos traded five draft picks and three players for this guy. They signed him for a 245 million dollar extension earlier this month, right? Yeah. Sure did. And he was the second choice with the opener on the line here. They're paying him forty five million a, problem, a year man. to this run off the field with the game on the line. I would trust a guy like Russell Wilson to get me five yards when it counted in that moment. I'm sorry. He had at least go for it. I mean, what what's the worst that's gonna happen? You stick your kicker out there to do exactly what happened twice. Yeah. If you miss or don't get it, you're still worse they're still gonna get the ball in the same area. Exactly right. I you know, it 
I mean, he had it, that was a stereotypical Russell Wilson game, where he had some decent chunk yards. Uh, he didn't run the ball, which was surprising. He only had one carry, uh, but with the game on the line, he couldn't get the job done, and he hasn't been able to do that for a while. Oh. And that is why I believe the Seahawks could not justify paying him the amount that he got now. And look what we got out of it. We got Shelby Harris. I don't know if you saw some of his quotes. He was he was very very happy with that win, and it was personal for him, and he I made that he well be. aware. I mean, I, I certainly would be. Excited. No fan had a pretty decent game. I mean, yeah. Geno Smith went 13 for 13 to start the game. That's a lot to ask of Brandon McManus, too, putting 64 yards on his leg. And, and that's no Russell Wilson said, saying that it. he said that, please. But I still would have I still would have liked my odds for my quarterback, no matter almost no matter who it was. Hell, over 64 yards. Yeah. Quarterback. Even I was sitting there wondering what they were doing. And Geno Smith looked pretty good. He looked all right. Yeah, he looked I mean, okay. He, he didn't. Right. He didn't have the run game, uh, which probably would have helped open up the passing game a little bit more. Um, but he'll get comfortable. He was getting a lot of support from the fans too. They wrote me off. I ain't right back though. That's the problem. I ain't right back. Let's go. Yeah, he's in there. <laughs> Gino. Look, Gino. Every time this he made any play, game note. was personal to a lot of people. A lot of people. We're talking it, states. It was definitely circled on a lot of calendars. Had been for a while. Yes. No. Yes. So it went the way you, you it went it went the way you wanted it to. Well, of course, because they won. I didn't expect them to win, but I also, you know, everyone was calling this a blowout and a sure win. Just didn't understand the type of team that this is. I definitely and didn't. Think there it was is a talent on this team. I've been trying to tell you guys that for a while. I said as long as Geno Smith is competent, watch out. Yeah. And look what happened. Look, I know the Denver Broncos defense is nothing to to show off about. Nate, can you name a starter off the Denver Broncos defense right now? No. Exactly. Uh, I mean, well, I could have proved to think I about proved it. that point many times yesterday, obviously off air, off air, but it they have Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton and who else? Yeah. Melvin Gort, Melvin Ingram, please, or Melvin or- Gordon? Come yeah, on. I mean certainly uh none to write home. I'm about. sure they're going to be fine, but you know, saying they're a, a Super Bowl contender right now is laughable. Here's uh, Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett. Unfortunate ending there. Just to start off with it, when you're 0-4 in the red zone, 12 penalties, two turnovers, it's not a good deal. And give so much credit to the Seahawks. I give a ton of credit to our players battling the whole night to be able to put ourselves in position to potentially win a game-winning field goal. You know, with all those things against us, I thought those guys did a good job. But we just got to be better in that red zone, and that starts with me. I got to be sure we've got a better plan, and we're able to get physical down there and, and score some touchdowns instead of field goals or nothing at all. Yeah, well, so there you go. And and what's this I hear? He's uh, he's he's the only rookie head head coach to lose this week. This week, week one. Yeah, all the other rookie head coaches won this week except him. You know, another little similar stat to that. I, I believe the Dallas Cowboys were the only team to not score a touchdown this week. So <laughs> go go Dallas. Ah, uh, go boys, boy. Oh, uh, boy speaking oh, of boy. speaking of uh, Texas football teams, I I, I kind of liked what I, I'm still thinking about the Texans game against the Colts over the weekend. Okay, and they they just surprised me. They, they, they put together three pretty good quarters. They built a really big lead. The problem was they couldn't hold on to it. Right? They were mm-hmm. up 17, 17 nothing, uh, or led by 17 after three quarters. Couldn't really do anything after that. They got the ball first in overtime. They had to punt it. Had a second chance in, in overtime after the Colts missed a field goal. Uh, they faced a fourth, fourth and three from the Indianapolis 49, and then that's when they, they punted instead, and they went for the tie. Right. Um, but... I don't know. I, I I was just thinking about that. I, I think that 
When you look at the first three quarters, there, there was a lot that, that seemed to work for him. Defense was swarming the ball. They forced turnovers. They made some big stops. Uh, quarterback Davis Mills, decisive and, and consistent. Kind of looked like he'd taken a step forward from a fairly subpar rookie season. Uh, wide receiver Brandon Cook continues to be a leader on the offense. Seven receptions for 82 yards. So I don't know. I, I was just uh, just want to throw that in there. I, I think that they, they served, the running game couldn't do much. They, you know, they added rookie Damian Pierce. Still didn't, mm-hmm. couldn't do much there. 77 yards rushing. Um, you know, they rank last in the NFL last year. They averaged 83.6 yards a game. But I don't know. I, I was just, you know, we talk about the, the, the Cowboys. And I, I was thinking about the Texans. I, I kind of like what I saw from them. I, I, I don't expect them to do much this year, but it certainly surprised me. Yeah. A little bit I, over the weekend. And I think it comes down to what I've been preaching with that team is Lovey Smith and the coaching. And they, I really finally, like Lovey. they finally have someone who knows what he's doing and cares, and he's passionate. And he he's definitely a player's coach, so I can't see how there, I, there's a possibility. Eventually, you know, this team will be decent. Yeah, eventually, I think they will. You know, they're be. not going to be a cellar dweller anymore I as long so. as Lovey Smith is around. I, I, think, I just I think I would hope that he would be able to pull them up. You know, better than a subpar, mediocre season that we get from them very often. I'd like to see them go deep into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, obviously, well, the Super you, Bowl would you be might be a couple years but, away from uh, that. More but, than a couple, man. Yeah, more than a couple. Well, That's the unfortunate thing. We don't know. Look, they they've all they haven't lost a game yet. They're improved. <laughs> that is already. True. That from, is true. From, from top of the AFC the South, exactly. Yeah, can't o, deny it. O O and one. Ball don't lie. Good for them. Good for there them. is no L by their name. Unfortunately, the Longhorns do have an L by their name, but it was a it, it, unfortunately, it, unfortunately, unfortunately, but. It was one of the better L's if you're going to take an L. I mean, I suppose. at least you're going to come off the – I would have come off the field feeling great Look, the about fact- most things. Obviously not about Quinn, not about Hudson Card hobbling yeah. around there, although he was a badass that day, no doubt about it. But still a lot to be excited about. So Charles Wright, a lot of talk about Charles Wright right now because Quinn Ewers is out a few week, or several weeks. Hudson we Card, day to day. Technically – Sark put yours in that day to day category as well. That's right, he did. It was just a he. Sark never confirmed the four to, four to six weeks. He did, yeah, you're so, right. But that's 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 certainly what all the reports are that we're right. getting. Uh, and so there's a lot of talk now. Hudson Card, let's say he gets the start on Saturday against UTSA. Charles Wright, very likely Austin High, mm-hmm. local Austin native, very likely may get to suit up as the number two there. By, or, or, I would expect that. Or, with, or even, I mean, let's say things get go from bad to worse for Hudson Card. Charles Wright make it the start on Saturday here here in Austin against yeah. UTSA. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I there, there are a lot of people asking that question right now, you know. And uh, head coach Steve Sarkeesian uh, addressed that a bit uh, uh, to the media. Charles was was next man up, and he was he was ready to go if if need be. I give Charles a lot of credit. He has made leaps and bounds, strides and leaps and bounds from a year ago this time as a true freshman to where he is today. I think he's got a good grasp of our offense, a good understanding of managing things. I think that he's throwing the ball much better, much more accurately. Uh, he's a lot more confident, which which is needed at that position. So yeah, that would that would have been the scenario. Malik Murphy, you know, he's been on campus since January. Um, where is he as far as his development is is concerned? He's not healthy. And that's about all we know about Malik Murphy there. Yeah. He's not healthy. Kind of somber uh, tone there, Sark, talking about that. that. Got to wonder what that's about. But, you know, Charles Wright, I mean, he had a, he had a, a pretty solid senior 
year with Austin High, 222 for 345, uh, 2,759 passing yards, 35 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Uh, He rushed 112 times uh, for 442 yards, five touchdowns in nine games. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Dang. Nine games. Pretty good season there. Uh, I mean, well, and he had a pretty good overall career looking back at some of his numbers. I mean, even back to his sophomore year with Austin High. Looked pretty good. Uh, initially uh, committed to Iowa State and then decommitted to Iowa State at the at the uh, the behest of former head coach Tom Herman. Mm, and, that guy, yeah, that guy. Uh, and in fact, Tom Herman said we expect Charles to be a starting quarterback at Texas someday. That was that was what uh, Tom Herman said uh, when they signed Charles. Oops. Right. It's a ama- it's it's amazing how he's kind of been here this whole time and nobody's really talked about him or really like, been I, overshadowed never heard his name until recently really been overshadowed yeah, yeah. completely uh and sarks on hasn't really revealed you know which qb took first team reps yesterday but uh there's a pretty reasonable chance that uh he'll need to run he'll need to turn to right at least sure you know to get through the, the game on saturday allow Ewers and carlin another week maybe to recover uh before then they you know they kick off conference play against tech yeah, uh, but if Wright does get the start against UTSA, it'll be uh, the first time Texas used three quarterbacks in season out of necessity in tw- uh, eleven years since twenty eleven. And honestly, I kind of half expect him to play a little bit this Saturday. I know Sark said there was no quarterback by committee thing, but the fact that, that was just with about Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card. Now that and, you know if Hudson Card needs a little break or a little spell to you know rest his ankle or whatever's going on with him because that looked really bad. Right. On Saturday, right. so I kind of half expect Charles Wright to. We may see him a couple times. I, I fully during the game. It. I fully, more than half expect. I fully expect it. Uh, now, so there's a lot of hype about the Longhorns surrounding the Longhorns right now, and uh, I mean, when you lose and jump in the rankings, that's that's pretty. That's interesting. I mean, when you you put on a performance like that, you're gonna, yeah. people are going to take notice. That's true. and. Sark has actually, you know, made it made it a point to say, "Listen, you know, we we can't let these comments go to our heads. We can't uh, we can't allow this to change our focus here. Let us knock us off. There's a reason, you know, that uh, that we went from being overlooked to all of a sudden, you know, being considered a legitimate player here. Mm-hmm. And uh, ha- you know, had a little bit more to say about that uh, to the media as well. So I think first of all, uh, to quote uh, my old boss, we got to be careful of the rat poison." Uh, of uh, people telling us how good we are, um, which which is important. You know, a week ago, everyone told us how bad we were, and now this week, everyone wants to tell us how good we are. And we got to be careful to quiet the noise outside of our building and focus on us, be enamored with us, and focus on our preparation. I, I think I think that's the first part. I think the SEC's got some great environments. You know, you, you look across that league, you know, having, having coaching it you know, for three years, there's some tremendous environments to play in. Naturally, there's certain games, the buildup and different things, it feels a little different than others, but that felt like that to me Saturday. Um, it felt like that me from the physicality of the game. It was a very physical football game. It felt that way to me with the investment from the fans, and it felt that way to me with it coming down to the last possession. You know, that's a lot of those games do. So we don't have to worry about that for a while. we gotta, we got to get ourselves back focused on the task at hand and, and what we're doing this year. So they're the back end of that that uh, answer there, talking about whether or not it felt like an SEC game. Mm-hmm. And Typical SEC. Sounds like it did. Sounds and it, and it was raucous. Yeah, uh, more than one hundred five thousand people at DKR on Saturday. New record. Set a brand new record. Well there. done. Big big deal. Oh, and yeah. uh, and and more power to the Longhorns. Probably going to be a 
I, you would have to assume a win for him on Saturday against UTSA. I was half worried at one point. Yeah, I, 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 I have full faith that. in Hudson Card. I think this is going to be a. I don't think it's going to be an easy game, but I think it's. I think they'll take it in the end. Yeah, I think. Well, UTSA is coming off what I was like a double overtime loss to Houston. Mm-hmm. I think it was a heartbreaker too. This, this will be the first time that two schools in the UT system have played each other. Yeah, and so. they're going to be mad. They're both mad they lost. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, a little more college football on the way, including out of A and M and uh, head coach Jimbo Fisher Whoop. considering relinquishing play calling. <gasps> no, that and more on the way here on the bullpen. This is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. And welcome back to the bullpen on this Tuesday afternoon. Patrick Osborne, Brandon Elkins with you for the rest of this hour. Hello. Talking a little college football before the break. And uh, your Texas Longhorns will be taking on the UTSA Roadrunners Saturday. Pretty heavily favored. I didn't see the uh, the spread there. Have you seen what's What's their chant? What's their chant that they do? The Roadrunners? The Roadrunners? I don't know. Meep Meep? Meep Meep. There you uh, go. Is that what it is? The Meep Meep. What? The Meep Meeps. <laughs> Did they really say that? I don't know. <laughs> I hear I hear Ed and Jason say it all the time, so, so I'm assuming is just, that is what it is. Maybe we can just put up uh, a bunch of like brick walls and draw fake tunnels on them. I mean, we have this massive screen right here. Why don't we make it green? Well, they would have to be the have coyotes for that to work, not the Roadrunners. We got After Effects in this building. So uh, after a, a woeful offensive performance in the 17-14 loss to Appalachian State, one of the biggest upsets in Texas A&M history, mind you. This uh, team, this Appalachian State, they love to come out of the come spoilers. out of nowhere and spoil some teams. What was it? 07 when they that, that massive Michigan. upset against uh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Oh, I still remember that. Oh, me just, too. Uh, that was a big. That, that was fumble. Big, man. Like, that was big, big. That fumble recovery and just running down the field, and the entire team was behind him, and. Mm-hmm. The whole sideline just went bonkers because it was right in front of their own sideline. Nothing Michigan could cool. do about that it. Was, yeah. So, Michigan was bad that year, though. Yeah, they were really bad. Still, still, nobody expect Appalachian State to do that, and nobody expect uh, Appalachian State to beat the, the Aggies on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And now head coach Jimbo Fisher uh, talking about the possibility that uh, he may be making some changes to his play-calling duties. He was actually asked uh, just yesterday if, if perhaps – you might actually dun, dun, consider dun. just dropping them all together. In time, I would. Yes, yeah, possibly could. I mean, there's you always evaluate those things, and everything we do, evaluate everything we do, and it is a it's a conglomerate of play calling too. I mean, we're getting information from everybody and thoughts and the ideas that we put down in those calls and what we do going in the game on our sheets is it's a collect it's a collective group decisions based off our offensive staff and what we do and how we do things. But yes, possibly yes. I don't believe him. He stresses me out when he talks. Jimbo, he talks so fast. He's pretty frantic. Isn't he, he is frantic, yeah. and he he causes anxiety whenever he speaks. I don't believe him. I don't either. He, he, uh, Jimbo Fisher is a, a bit of a control freak. Yeah, uh, and in fact, some the the, the follow up question to that was all right. Well, keep in mind, you know, he's been playing calls since '91. Right, he's won national titles as offensive coordinator at LSU with mm-hmm. Nick Saban, later Florida State's head coach, and so he was asked if perhaps. His ego would prevent him from relinquishing the play calling duty. No. That was his answer. Yeah, right. That was exactly yes. his answer. He says, I'm always about whatever it takes to win. Winning takes all effect over everything. I promise you that. I love Jimbo Fisher. I don't buy it. Don't but he's, he's a bad liar. Well, look, this isn't the first time he's been asked this question. <laughs> yeah. Right? This is, this is a question that's been dogging him for years. Uh, he faced similar questions uh, back in 2012. Right? He, he was... Uh, he. Since he became head coach at Florida State after serving as Bobby Bowden's offensive coordinator for three seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2012, it was the year before Jameis Winston arrived, and 
he he faced questions about whether or not he may delegate play calling. Uh, he says, I wanted to play call plays for three, four, five years, whatever it took to get established, uh, but never has made any change. Well, obviously, I mean, he moved on yeah. from so, then, but, but nevertheless, clearly people have noticed this about him, you know, and, and he's mentioned this before, but I don't. You, you got to remember, A&M's 103rd nationally in total offense. After game, they gained nine first downs and 186 yards of total offense against oh Appalachian God. State. At home. Which had given up 63 points to North Carolina the week before. Right? That's so crazy. It's a legitimate question what to Jimbo Fisher. Happened? Hey, man, maybe you want to let somebody else call plays for a while. He'll, of course, he'll say what you want to hear, but he won't do it. That's just kind of his style. Yeah. He's always been like yeah. that. Last season, the Ags ranked 71st in total offense, 88th in passing, finished 56th in scoring offense. They put up 24 or fewer points in six games, and they stumbled to that 8-4 and four finish for the season. Yeah. So I don't know. I, Interesting. I, just, I, don't, I don't know. It's a conglomerate of play calling. Say, say what you want. Jimbo Fisher is not, uh, not going anywhere. There's a lot of questions looming in College Station. Yeah, well. I wish we could talk to our Aggie friends. And another, yeah, if, well, one day these funds will be one up day. working again. Another question out there, they'll possibly uh, could consider a change at quarterback. Uh, starter Haynes King went 13 of 20 for 97 yards on oh, Saturday. God. Multiple what reasons for the offensive struggles. Missed blick, uh, uh, missed uh, blocks, wrong routes. Jimbo Fisher says he's not going to pin it all on King, but he says we're going to evaluate everything this week. I mean, Appalachian State is probably good, but man, they are not that good. Like that is Hell something. No, they're not that, that is that something good. internal going on that well, they just don't trust some, each other, or they don't trust the coaching, or vice versa. That's weird. Yeah, not a good time. That's really not bad. a good time to be playing for, college for a right top now. ten team to do that at home. Against an unranked opponent? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Tough times. Tough times for the Ags right now. Much rooting for you, though. Not to the chagrin of Longhorn Nation. We're though, rooting sure, for you. Though. <laughs> uh, over to the, over the, bull, uh, the ballpark now. The bullpen. Well, we we are the bullpen, bullpen too. Uh, where uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers are now heading to the postseason for the 10th straight time. It is official. It's for real this time. They thought they secured a playoff berth on Sunday after they beat the Padres. They celebrated with they had the postgame toast. Oh, no. Caps were being distributed. Uh, they all had the postseason logo on them. But then yesterday, the MLB said, we forgot to account for a potential scenario in which the Padres could overtake the Dodgers for the NL West title. And Los Angeles finishes in a three-way tie with the Brewers and the Cardinals. This could have happened. right? Milwaukee would have won the NL Central in that scenario. St. Louis would have uh, won the wild-card tiebreaker with Los Angeles based uh, on uh, head-to-head results this season. So basically, that could have happened. You just made my head spin. Yeah, well, there's, you know how baseball is. Yeah. With their weird stuff. Yes. Uh, but it doesn't matter because the Dodgers beat the Diamondbacks 6-0 last night uh, behind Tyler Anderson. They become the first major league team now to clinch a playoff spot this season. And uh, they could also, if I'm not mistaken, they could clinch the NL West. Yeah, they could clinch the NL West tonight with a, with a win against the Padres. That's just another excuse for them to party then. You know what I think's weird about this season? Cody Bellinger. That's what I think's weird. Yeah. He's he's right at the Mendoza line. He's, he's bat- been down. He's for batting two hundred. Yeah, this year. Like, what happened st- to this guy? His twenty nineteen MVP. Have you seen his eyes? He's got to stop smoking weed before every damn be- game. I don't buy that. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't yeah, I have no idea what <laughs> happened. Doc to him. Ellis threw a, a no hitter on LSD. He right? uh, yeah, and, and you'd think by now he'd be used to it, you know, because he probably does he it all the think. time. I'm I, yeah, I it, that's a big question mark too. I mean, he was bad in the in the uh, in spring training and. And he carried it over to the season. Like he has not had a good stretch at all this no, year. No, no, and really yet they hadn't. continue to play him. Now he did hit a two-run shot last night, but he's not had a good season. He can hit at homers all, at all well, and strike out. That's all he does. Pretty much, yeah. He's like an old-school power hitter. 
pretty much. Back in the old days when that's all you do, you either hit it over the fence or you struck out. But you got to think the Dodgers are probably not going to want to pay him whatever they're paying him to do that anymore. Would you? No, not at all. Just barely hovering around 200. He's going to, I mean, he's going to find a new team easily whenever he gets released. You got to imagine the Dodgers won't carry him over next year. I would imagine they probably won't put him on the playoff roster. I would. Why would you put that no, on there? No, no, no. That's a black hole. I would not want him anywhere near my. Uh, now, I, well, I don't know. Now, well, he certainly wouldn't be starting. Yeah, but you know, there's probably other guys more deserving than. You know, they gave him the whole year to that's figure it enough. out, and no, he that, hasn't figured it out. That's fair enough. And he hasn't figured it out for a couple of years. And that is fair enough. So, uh, but uh, this is a you know big deal for uh, Dodgers fans. Uh, ten, ten straight times. That's the third longest streak in Major League history to reach postseason. Uh, the Braves did it 14 times between 1991 and 05, and then uh, the Yankees did it 13 times between 95 and 07. So, you know. Maybe. Go Dodgers. No, said said <laughs> nobody in my household ever. Yeah, exactly. I guess my dad was actually a Brooklyn Dodgers fan. That's cool. Followed them over there to L.A., and, uh, but I, I, didn't, I was not born of that bloodline. No, thank you. No, you went the complete opposite direction for the Red Sox. Fenway Go back. figure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, where Carolina's sweet and the water is dirty. Okay, whatever. You know. Uh, kind of a shakeup, a shakeup oh. going on in the AL wildcard race right now. Yes, sir. Blue Jays have taken an important win against the Rays in their series opener yesterday, and this really has shaken up the standings in the AL wildcard in a pretty big way. Uh, with that win, the Jays have bumped the Rays from the first wildcard seed to the third seed. But the biggest benefiter here is your Seattle Mariners, Brandon. Yes, sir. They've moved into the first seed without even having to touch the field. Mariners and Blue Jays now it was a good at 79 and 61. But Seattle won, has won five against the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle's absolutely owned Toronto. They don't year. play them anymore, but they have the tiebreaker. That's right. That's right. Now, a lot can happen in the standings between now and when the postseason begins on October 7th. But, uh, you know, the playoff picture is beginning to take shape. You've got to keep in mind, as part of a new collective bargaining agreement with the Players Association, uh, MLB expanded the postseason this year, right? Mm-hmm. 10 to 12 teams. Ahead of the, uh, so Last season was the first season. Or last season, I mean, yeah. yeah. Getting my years wrong. That's okay. Uh, but both the AL and NL, they've now got three wild card bursts up from two, right? Top mm-hmm. two seeds in each league getting the first round buys. Uh, the other teams pairing up for the best of three wild card series. Uh, and then uh, all three games will be played at home. The higher seed winners advancing on to the division, the LDS. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, uh, you know, kind of just looking at some early stuff, the AL wild card series, if it started today, you'd have uh, the Rays, Tampa Bay at Cleveland, and Toronto at Seattle. Mm-hmm. And over in the NL, uh, you'd have uh, San Diego at St. Louis and uh, Philadelphia at Atlanta. These may not change all that much, honestly, when you look at some of these. Astros and Yankees would have buys along with the Dodgers and the Mets, which, by the way, I love. I mean, I love that the Mets are in the thick of this right now. I'm so excited for them. They're not going to do anything, but I just love that they're there. There's a, there's a picture going around Mets subreddit. Uh, let me see if I can find it and show you. Uh, they were very happy that we took two out of three. To the Braves, yes. So they made a Mets logo with all Mariners stuff on yes. it. We're fr- we're friends. We are friends now. Red Sox I know we fans. took two out of three from them earlier in the year. Yeah, water under the bridge, right? That's okay. Water under the bridge. Hey, look, I'm not complaining. Uh, Red Sox fans and Mets fans get along quite well. Also, in fact, uh, I love it. There's a uh, there's that meme. Maybe you've seen it. It's taken where uh, uh, Carl Weathers and Arnold Schwarzenegger's arms from uh, the original Predator. Yeah, remember when they all Dylan. Right. Oh yeah. And there's just these bulging biceps, and so it's both arms bo- locked. Look, man, I love gifts. You got to explain it to. Me. I know exactly what you're talking about. One, it's from Predator. Yeah. So one arm says Mets, the other says Red Sox, and at the bottom it says Yankees suck. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> Amen. You know, you can always find something common ground with almost everybody, except for OU and the Yankees. I'm just telling you, 
Uh, Mariners haven't made the postseason in 21 years, and this will be exciting, man. The I'm only so excited team for them. Closest to them right now is five and a half games behind the Blue Jays, who are the third wild card spot, yeah. and. I think it's going to happen. I do, too. There's only 22, 21 games I'm left. I'm very optimistic about the Mariners I, for you, man. I, I think it's happening. Very optimistic. Let me just tell you also, if your name is Gino and in the Seattle area, you're having a good year, my friend. Gino Smith and Eugenio Suarez, also known as Gino Suarez, Yeah, he did a bit of a big run the it. other day, didn't he? Yeah, he, him and Julio had two home runs each. That's right. To, that's what they had to do to beat the Braves on Sunday. That's right. So as we mentioned, uh, Dodgers now the first team to officially clinch a playoff berth. Up next would be the Houston Astros, who are ninety-one and fifty. Their magic number is four to clinch a berth. Hmm. Uh, watch the, the the Guardians, though. Cleveland's trending up a bit. They've won four in a row. They've increased their lead in the AL Central to three games over the White Sox, five games over the Twins. Uh, well, don't, so so don't count them out. Well, also don't count the AL East race out just yet because the Rays. And Blue Jays That's right. are five and a half and six and a half, respectively, behind the Yankees. And they have not played well, and they have continued to slip and slide. So that may not that race may not be over. The Yankees least, may end up in the wild card race. That, you know what? You're absolutely right. It, if, the way they're going? Judge can't keep carrying them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know Giancarlo stands back, but, I mean, he's not the normal Giancarlo at the moment. AL East is always an exciting race, though, coming Well, historically, in, in recent times, it's yeah. been a pretty exciting race coming through September and October. Yeah. Uh, you know who's not worried about October? The Angels. <laughs> Nor Mike Trout, apparently, who's as loose as could be, hitting seven home runs in the past seven games. Yeah, he only missed the entire season, though. Yeah, well, well way to come back with a bang, dude. He's on his way uh, to, to something special here as Pittsburgh's Dale Long has the, the MLB record of eight straight games with a home run. Did it in 1956. Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly, did it with the Yankees in 1987. And Ken Griffey Jr. did yep. it in 1993. I was at one of those That's games. That's good company. I was at many of those games, actually. So all he needs is a home. Homer, to, what, tonight? Right? I'm rooting for him. I love Mike Trout. He's one of my favorite non-Mariners baseball players. Mike Trout is good at baseball. I am a huge fan. I've always been a huge fan. I will always be a huge fan of his. I hate that he's been hurt for so much, for so a lot lately, because it's really taken that team out of contention. And they're they're a fun game. They're usually a fun uh, team to play when they're good. I mean, absolutely. Same are. with Anthony Rendon. He he's always hurt. Yep. And having those three guys out there at at any given point with him and those two and Shohei Otani, man, that team would have been a whole lot different. Yeah, yeah. And poor poor Trout. Uh, there's a man who signed such a long contract he'll never in his life. See a World Series ring. He's going to get traded. Let's hope they so. They have a new ownership sake, coming in. Are you so. kidding me? They're not going to want to pay that. Let's hope so. They're going to lose Otani. They're going to lose Rendon. And they're going to lose Mike Trout. Yeah. Just watch. Yeah. Uh, Triple Crown watch still in effect. Paul Goldschmidt. A lot of question right now whether or not he he's can do it. still hitting homers. Yeah. Hitting yeah. dingers. 325. He's batting second in the National League. 35 home runs. Third in the National League. 109 ribbies. Tied for first in the National League. Uh, of course, this is one of the rarest defeats in all of baseball. Only 12 Triple Crown seasons in either the AL or NL in the past century. And the last one to do it was Miguel Cabrera uh, in uh, 10 years ago. God, was that really 10 years ago? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is a big deal just because uh, the last time the National League, anybody in the National League won a Triple Crown, 1937. Unreal. Yeah. Uh, Cardinal, uh, who, who did that? Was Joe Medwick with the Cardinals? Oh, that! Oh, no. Joe, oh, that Joe. Joe sure, Med- Rogers sure, Hornsby sure, sure, also course, also had himself a triple crown season with the Cardinals. All so. right.
Uh, so names. lots to watch in baseball. Also, uh, the Aaron Judge home. Uh, he's still on pace, I believe, to hit 64. I think he's at 55 right now. I don't I'm, think he's going to hit that. I'm, I'm sick of hearing about I hope about he gets him. to 60, but... I'm tired of hearing about him mostly because he's overshadowing the man who should be the lock for AL MVP, and that's mm-hmm. Shohei Otani. Well, I mean... Who wants to talk about a crap team? But he's got more home runs. He's got more total bases. He's got some better metrics. Uh, I'm, not argue, there. I'm not arguing. I am not arguing with you that he is not MVP. He is MVP every year if he keeps putting up these mm-hmm. same numbers. No one is better because no one is doing what he does. Imagine being a, a professional baseball player and having to not only study the hitters, or the pitchers. Of all the teams you're going to play, but all the, yeah, but also every single hitter, yeah. you have to do a scouting report on every single hitter, the entire offense and defense, the entire, uh, and he's doing it, and he's doing it easily, yep. easily, brilliant mind, God, obviously a high how IQ is, ball How player. can you argue? I know he's got, he's going to hit. Aaron Judge is going to hit sixty plus home runs. I hope he does. And any other any other year, if the if the name Shohei Otani did not exist in baseball. Easily MVP every year. I but think you're right. You're not pitching, Aaron Judge. I'm sorry, and your team has not been playing well either. It's game over. Judge has got, if I'm not mistaken, twenty more. Let's see, twenty more home runs right now than Mike Trout does for the yeah. season. I, but I, so what? No, I'm just that's saying. That's cool. I'm just cool. saying. That's a cool stat, but that's not an MVP stat. I didn't say it was. Yeah. I'm just saying Judge is hitting bombs. No, yeah. I you know, as, in his quest for you can't argue for with 62. that. Can't argue against that. Uh, as we wind down here, Sergio Garcia uh, facing a possible <laughs> fine from the DP World Tour after his withdrawal from the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth. The reason here is great. I love Sergio. There's a local reason for this. Yeah. All right. He pulled out before the second round of the tournament. He posted an opening round of 76, right? Mm-hmm. Shortly thereafter, he's pictured at the Texas-Alabama game. <laughs> <laughs> now, the handbook states a player is not entitled to a withdrawal at the conclusion of the first round or during play of any round or tournament except for an emergency reason or medical circumstances deemed reasonable by the tournament director. Mm-hmm. Handbook adds that written evidence of medical circumstances must be forwarded to the director or entries department within 20, 21 days of the withdrawal, uh, and a player not observing this regulation will be fined. Look, uh, I, listen, Some might argue the Texas-Alabama game was an emergency. It is. PGA disagrees. PGA well, vehemently disagrees. We, w- we could argue that... Uh, Sergio Garcia needed his injection injection of Boca, his burn orange Kool-Aid. That is a medical term that I am claiming to be true, which I know it's not. But it's not bad, in this though. case, it's not bad at all. I that like is it. my excuse for Sergio. All right, look, Juan Soto was pictured at the Seahawks game last night, and he was supposedly sick. Yeah, but I don't believe there. And are he any. was at the game last night with a bunch of of other Mariners players. There wasn't any PGA handbook rule violation though for Juan Soto hanging out of the. I don't the, know. I don't know the. I, I don't know what the rules are with the Padres. Anyway, he, his uh, he's already <laughs> listen. He's already a source of controversy, right? Given uh, he's one of the several high profile players to have defected to the Saudi backed Live Golf Series. To me, Sergio can do nothing wrong. Sergio can do I whatever love he wants. Sergio to Garcia. Me, he's Sergio a great can man. do whatever he wants. Yes. That's Especially the, that's really the because line. he's an Austinite. He's one of us. And we like Absolutely our right. people. We love them. That's why he was at the, the Alabama-Texas game. Hook him. Also, uh, Austin FC returning to the home comforts of Q2 Stadium tomorrow. Try and do a snap of three-game skid. Safely away from Seattle. Uh, and uh, they're going to be hosting Real Salt Lake. And still the possibility they could clinch a playoff berth as well. I'd like I, to see that happen at Q2 Stadium. I would expect that to happen. Yes. Me too. Me too. It's going to happen. 
actually, but yes, against Real Salt Lake, bring it on. And real quick out of the boxing world, Anthony Joshua has accepted terms for a fight with heavyweight champion Tyson Fury on December 3rd. Boom! In Cardiff, Wales. Let's get it on. That's going to do it for us on the bullpen. We'll see you tomorrow. See ya!